1: Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident
0: Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keith. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yerge. And today we have a most esteemed guest. Most esteemed. And she's one of my college friends. Very cool to have her on. And I'm so excited to dig into all the aspects of her life. So we have Gabby Means. Hello, Gabby.
2: Hi, guys. I didn't know if you wanted me to introduce myself. I was, like, coming yeah. in strong. And then I <laughs> i'll let maddie take it from here we
0: love it no um definitely want the listeners to get used to your voice and place you on the millennial spectrum so maybe you can briefly say how old you are where you grew up and kind of what you're doing now
2: cool um so i was born in 1985. so i'm on the low end of the spectrum mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. yes um, the younger side the younger side um i was Raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Um woo, woo. cool city, cool place, um, and I'm currently, I actually just got a new job today. Oh my gosh, but congrats. I'm, wow, congrats. Yeah, so it's um, in a little transition time period, but I was working at Saturday Night Live doing archive um, materials for them, and now I'm going to be working on a political campaign mm-hmm. um, in, in a, a down-ballot race um, for a state senate position
0: cool very Mm -hmm. cool can you say who the candidate is or is it yeah it's
2: missy cotter smazzle i'm not exactly sure on the pronunciation (laughs) (laughs) just got hired but uh yeah i'm pretty excited i just found out today about it so
0: cool very cool Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, before we dig into peppering Gabby with questions, we can go into our usual segment. Shay, do you have a hot topic for us?
1: I do. I do have a wonderful log for our campfire. Um, and this is... It was really interesting. So I was on Facebook the other night, um, and I usually don't go on Facebook because it overwhelms me and it's dumb. So I have the <laughs> Facebook like feed blocker on. so I just go on for like different like groups and things that I have to check in with for work, but I don't actually look at my feed. But the other day I pulled it up on my phone. And I saw this girl that was a year ahead of me in high school had posted this thing about her student loans. And I thought it was really interesting. And I, you know, it's funny because I think student loan debt is such uh, this overwhelming, overarching topic for our generation and this like burden upon us. And yet I think we don't really talk about it that often Um, and on the podcast at least. And I know... You know, for me, it's something that I've been very fortunate to be able, you know, through a combination of my parents' wonderful generosity and my own luck, dumb luck in getting scholarships and things. I'm one of the few people, particularly of people my age who don't have student loan debt. Um, So, you know, I'm very lucky and able to like keep my blinders on about it. But I was reading through what this gal said and then through like the giant list of comments. And she's not like anybody famous. This was just like some girl I knew from high school who has like a couple hundred friends. And um, the responses were crazy. And what I thought was so interesting uh, that a lot of the people, including the girl, um, her name's Sally. I doubt she listens to my podcast, so Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say her name. Um, Sally's a generic enough name. (laughs) Yeah. She does spell it with an IE, which I always thought was very cute, especially when we were in high school. And I was like, she's got a cute name. (laughs) Um, yeah. So Sally was talking about how, even though she's been paying since 2012 or whatever, these are her grad school loans. She's technically only paid off like maybe $1,000 of her $90,000 loan, but she's paid an interest in everything, something. I wish I should have written down the exact numbers. I guess I'm unprepared, but I wanted to just kind of look at the human uh, consequence of these things. And she's like, I pay more than the minimum every month. And yet I have basically only paid down a very small amount of the principal. Um, and the number of people who responded with the same story and then you know going on about their discouragement and how they regret their choices and all of this stuff even though all of these people they have good jobs they're psychologists and doctors and lawyers and it's not like these are people who like paid way too much for a liberal arts degree and are now working I don't know at like the local bagel shop or something these are Mm -hmm. people who got good educations and good jobs and all of that so um, anyway I just I wanted to kind of bring bring that up and circle about to you guys and see, do you feel like things changed kind of in the 10 years, 10 to 15 years between between when I was in college and you guys were? Is it something that you guys talk about a lot? Or is it something that people kind of keep quiet, which is how I feel people of my age generally do?
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I think, Shay, to your point, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you. And maybe that's why it hasn't been a big topic that we've brought up on the podcast. Checking our privilege before. today, guys. Yeah, cuz I've also in the same situation. I don't have any loans right now. Um, at least not student loans. I have other things going on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, through the same thing like my parents saving, I was fortunate enough to go to NYU without having to take out any loans. And but I feel like NYU is is so expensive. It's like at the upper end that like that is so not the norm that i feel like maybe to answer your question shay and i'm interested gabby and you chiming in on this as well like i think because it's so expensive people are like yeah like you have to take out loans and people did talk a little bit about it openly it's actually funny because i was texting um one of my close friends who has a shit ton of student debt she took out all of nyu and loans and then all of grad school and loans so she probably has oh upwards of i would say 250,000 dollars worth of loans outstanding and she has what i would consider a good job like she has a, a job in an office that's like similar to what i'm doing and she's probably making i don't know I, if i had to guess maybe 60 grand a year but it's nowhere near what she is like to have that overarching amount of debt. It's crazy. And it actually affected her parents as well. And I was having a sidebar conversation because she just broke up with her boyfriend and they live in a nice two bedroom. And because he has a good job at a bank, but she has to move home because she can't afford to live in the apartment alone. And she really can't afford to live... I mean she does, she wants to leave New York for other reasons too, but I think part of it is moving home to save money and she's a couple years older than I am, so she's in her later 20s and we we were texting in a group text and she was like, "Yeah, I think I'm going to move home for a few years and then see, you know, what my options are." And I was having a sidebar conversation with another friend kind of being like, "Is she okay?" cuz she's like going through a breakup and also moving, like, "Should we do something?" And the other friend was like, yeah, I talked to her about her student loans cuz her mom just got married and she has um parent plus loans. And because her mom got married to someone who makes more money than her mom previously did, now her, my friend's payment minimum payment has gone up because now her mom because she's married has more income to show. And it's all like wow. income based. And I was like, dude, like I'm not trying to place blame, but I'm like you have to be really to take out all of NYU in loans and then all of grad school and have parent plus loans, which in and of themselves have a lot of issues. Like you must have not known at all. Like, I can't think of it. Like, why would your parents fuck up your finances like that while you're still in high school? Like, why would you like, you know, I'm absolving my friend. The grad school stuff is one thing, but at least NYU, it's like I'm absolving her of some responsibility because she was a kid. But I'm like the parents to be able to be like, yeah, you're going to graduate and have, you know, $150,000, if not more, worth of undergrad loans to pay off. Mm -hmm. Minimum payments over $1,000 a month. Like, that's insanity. And my friend, the one that I was sidebarring with, was like, yeah, I talked to her about that. And she was like, her parents just aren't financially literate. Like, they just didn't understand it. And they were like, yeah, NYU's a great school. We're going to do anything to let her go there. And really didn't consider the consequences. And, you know, didn't really do the right thing by offering to help pay because her marriage affected her kids finances. And I was just like, "Whoa!" it made me feel very lucky for my situation. But yeah, to kind of circle back to the more like universal thing, I think it is such a big topic. It's crippling. Like it affects people's real life. It affects where you're able to move, what jobs you're able to take, um, who you're able to be in a relationship with. Like if you have that much loans, like if you marry someone, it becomes their debt too. So you have to think about the Mm -hmm. fact that like, maybe her I think finances were a big part of why her relationship failed and the fact that she was really really struggling financially primarily because of the student loans so it really affects all aspects of your life and I just I think the only thing to do is or at least a place to start is educating parents on what kind of choices they're making yeah. for their kids because
2: my sister is uh uh she just graduated high school so she's going to Penn State. But my mom just had to have a very similar conversation with her along these lines where she said, you know, you got into other schools that are really great. But if they didn't give you financial aid, which now because she's the youngest of all my siblings to go to college, and there are less of us in school. So I think I got more financial aid when it was me and my sister both in school together. And now that she's going to school, I think we just get less financial aid. And so she ha- would ha- have had to take out loans to go to a school comparable to an NYU type of, you know, expensive uh, school. And my mom said, you know, I think it would make more sense to just pick a school where you're not going to have all those loans. It doesn't make sense. It, like no matter what career you come out with, it, it just, it starts you off in, in the red. Like why yeah. would you want to in, in, in a place like that where you're making your way out of and I it's just... already
0: so hard to even find a job an entry-level job and mm-hmm. to find an apartment and i think shay and i have talked about on this podcast a lot like it doesn't for i think i put grad school in another category um because grad school is like obscenely in- expensive i'm looking at it right now and i'm like whoa um and it, that's i think a little bit more optional shall we say than undergrad but for like a penn state versus nyu for example like shay and i have talked about this a lot with the various guests like yes nyu is like a quote-unquote fancy private school but like the education at a state school like penn state versus nyu is not going to be that disparate like you're still going to mm-hmm. get a great education at penn state and you're still going to be able to do great things and they have one of the biggest alumni bases in the world that you can draw from like yeah your sister's going to have no problem in life
2: oh yeah she's she's like she's awesome she's gonna do engineering so like I have no (laughs) doubts she's so much smarter than me like she gets math and science in a way that like I could not comprehend at all she loves it and I'm like that's I don't know where you came from I don't think we're siblings (laughs) if she didn't have my same face then I would I would really doubt that she was my sister but (laughs) but yeah she's great she's gonna be awesome but yeah I mean it's it's a strange like time to be like where college is so expensive that you have to consider okay well I'm going to either be in debt for the next however many years of my life or go somewhere where I don't necessarily think I can get an equivalent education although you're right Maddie it's not it's not true that you you have to go to somewhere like NYU to get the best education. Yeah I think it's within reason
0: and there's certainly things I think that NYU specializes in and being in the city that it does give you that leg up but engineering is a great point. Like Penn State has a great engineering program. There are many affordable state schools that have great engineering programs, like being in New York, although that would be a great, you know, I'm just using that as an example. But like going to a fancy private school might help you in some areas more than others. But like for my friend's example that I was just referencing, she has a psychology degree from NYU and a organizational psychology master's. And it's like, yeah, NYU has a great psychology program. It's one of the best, but, like, you know, Penn State's, I yeah. g- can't think it's it's worth $250,000 worth of money that you don't have. You know what I mean? Like, every school has a psychology program, so that's where I'm, like, I feel really bad because I'm, like, her parents just had no idea. And I think, to your point, Shay, of looking through the comments on Facebook, like, there is a lot of regret, and that sucks because yeah. you can't get rid of it. Like, there's, no, there's nothing cool. you can do.
1: And I think so much of this also comes back again to this, like the financial literacy point that you were making, because I, you know, one thing that it opened again, because again, I'm so, so fortunate to not have loans. I didn't really realize that if you compare the interest rate on a student loan to the interest rate on a home loan, it's Mm -hmm. double. And I'm like, wow, shouldn't it be the other way around? Yeah. Shouldn't we be paying have interest on our... yeah, it's, I mean, it's just crazy yeah. to me.
0: People and also don't think... realize, and it's, like, discouraging, that most loans are set up so that you're paying more interest than the principal upfront to exactly. encourage you to not pay it off sooner. Yeah, and, and I think that's a little, oh, sorry. you know, there's a lot of problems with that, but mm-hmm.
1: anyways. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, and I think the other thing we don't talk about is, yeah, you can talk about NYU versus Penn State, but, Penn State also isn't... It's going to set you back 50, 60 grand at least. Um, And even if you go... I mean, Gabby, you'll be familiar with some of those former state teachers' colleges in Pennsylvania. If you go to Slippery Rock or you go to um, now Edinburgh, like, those schools are still... They're going to set you back 40 grand. So, like, if you are coming... And I saw this so much with kids I went to high school with who, you know, again... Western Pennsylvania—it's very white. It's not like these are, but these are still where a lot of like first-generation kids going to college, and they didn't have any idea, yeah, of, of what they were getting into. So, and anyway, I just thought it was really interesting, and it was kind of an eye-opening, again, check my privilege moment. Um,
0: so, I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. But Maddie, can you add a log to our campfire? Yes. So. I know oh god. you're gonna be like, oh my god! So, because we we just—I already could tell you had like this weird smile on your face. Was, like, I've been wanting coming? to talk about this all day. Um, so this is kind of a hybrid millennial moment, hot topic thing, whatever. It's our podcast; we can do what we want. I <laughs> I feel like since we've taken the millennial moment out of the interviews, I've been like having more of them. But anyways, I digress. Um, so Jackson, my brother, was in town, and we were having lunch with one of his friends. And his friend wanted to surprise him by going to a magic show, which when I oh. when you say magic show, what do you what do you picture? I picture like a kid's birthday party, like very top
2: of well coming a top hat, dove like yes. being out of like a sleeve, like uh, like scarves, many scarves, yeah, different yeah. maybe
0: some them. card tricks, some nice like wholesome fun. So I'm like, okay, so we're at lunch, and. Long story short, the guy realizes he got tickets for the wrong day. So he was like, oh, it's Saturday. My brother's leaving on Sunday. And he was like, fuck, the tickets are for Sunday afternoon. So he gives them to me and he was like, oh, do you and Corey want to go to this magic show? And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have no interest in going to a magic show. I have many things I need to be doing on a Sunday other than going to a magic show. So I don't really think anything of it. Then I look further at the tickets. And it's tickets to see Chris Angel. Are either of you guys familiar oh, with Chris Angel? Yes,
1: this is like, this is like jazzy magic. Jazzy
0: is not scary. the word I would use. Yes, scary is the word I would use. <laughs> so, but wait, maybe I don't know as much about him as I think. You need I to do. just Google him while I'm talking and look at a picture okay. of him. Um, so there's like a scene in Bridesmaids, this is what I always think about with Chris Angel, where like the Kristen Wigg character is talking to like one of the girls on the phone and they're going to Vegas for the Bachelorette party. And the one girl's like, I really want to see Chris Angel, but I'm afraid. <laughs> and I was like, That's how I feel. Um, so I was like, All right, I don't really know. He's kind of handsome. Oh yeah. So he's like, this is what I was gonna say. He's totally my type. Like the goth.
1: Oh, okay. Well now I change Maddie That's like skyliner. Yeah.
0: He is cute. He's from Long Island. He's, like, very Long Island. He has, like, an accent, which I thought was nice. So, anyways, now now I'm intrigued. So, now I'm like, Corey, we have to go. Like, there's no way I'm not going to go see Chris Angel at 3 p.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> so, we heavily pre-gamed. I didn't really know what to expect. The opening was, like, there was a girl that looked like the girl from The Grudge. It was very scary. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, my God, I cannot sit through this. And he pulled out, like razor blades from his mouth I know it's magic and it's not real I don't know how it works but it was just like blood everywhere and I was like oh my god I can't there and was then, blood. yes well I think it was fake blood I hope it was fake blood but he's <laughs> also done like real things with his body that weren't fake so I don't really know for sure but anyways um, so after that he like sat down in a chair and he was like I'm gonna go unplugged and he like took all of his makeup off and was like this is the real Chris not no gimmicks and i was like oh my god where are we and then i got so into it and long story short i love him and he said a lot of very inspirational things which were pertinent to my life because he's like in his 50s and he was like it's never too late to chase your dreams it took me 18 years to be an overnight sensation he gave this like whole inspirational like it was kind of like a the show was like a walk through memory lane kind of like he would do like some tricks and like a thing and then he would like do a little vignette about like oh this is like where I came from and like why New York is important to me whatever and then he was also like don't listen to haters on the internet and I was like I can relate because Shay and I got our first one-star rating on iTunes our first
1: one-star review (laughs) so I was (laughs) like we
0: think it was maybe one of our older listeners trying
1: to
2: give us a five-star review well that's that's understandable yeah yeah figure out Facebook to save his life he tries he really tries but he thinks everything on his timeline is a message to him, and he's like, why did this person send me this message? I'm like, Pat, that's not, that's just your timeline. Like, uh, old people and technology, it's not good.
0: So that's what we're hoping is the case. But I was like, oh my God, Chris, you're so right. So So, anyways, I love him. His magic was incredible. I was like, oh my God, insane. So he ended, we went to like his last show in New York, and then he's going back to Vegas. And I'm like, when I go to Vegas, I have to see the (laughs) Vegas show. And now I'm, like, a huge fan of Chris Angel. So that's my story.
1: So that's all very interesting. I wanted to recommend to you this show about a magician. Ah! Sorry. I just clicked something and my computer went funny. Um, About a magician that David and I watched (laughs) on Netflix that was very good. It was called Death by Magic. Also, Magic for Humans is good. Both on Netflix. However, most terrifyingly, when I typed in Netflix magic it said netflix magic the gathering which (laughs) i mean they must be making a
0: movie out of
1: that card game don't know popular with many dorks
0: in my day (laughs) yeah see here's my thing because i'm not i don't know if i'm into magic or if i'm just into you'll like the death by magic thing by the way i think i just like the goth it's like the damian eccles like men wearing makeup thing that i like so if the yeah. Death by Magic guy is like that, I think I'll like it.
1: He's a little more suave, but he has a lot of tattoos and he does a lot of the things like his
2: magic is very cool. Yes, I love it. Amazing yeah, I'm gonna do that cool magic, not like, you know, kid magic, real cool <sighs> magic. <Yeah. laughs> right.
1: Like, it better be some real Harry
0: Potter <laughs> shit up in here. Yes. Oh, my God. He did this thing. I'll just tell you one of the tricks that he did that I was like, wow, this is incredible. He <laughs> um, there was a lot of buildup, but it was like. He got into... This is this is something that he's known for, is, like, getting out of straitjackets. And so he, like, got into a straitjacket, and they, like, tested the shit out of it. They had, like, people in the audience pulling it. They were like, he's not going anywhere. And then they put him into a sack and then into a box that they locked. So he's in the box. And they, like, moved the box around. And they, like, had audience members, like, up there. So it was, like, very interactive. But they had people, like, look to be like, are there trapdoors? Like, what's happening? And then... They, like, started playing some, like, dancey music, and then his assistant, like, got on top of the thing, and she kind of was, like, waving around, like, a scarf, and then all of a sudden, she disappeared, and he, and all of this happened in the span of, like, a minute. So, like, he's in the box for, like, maybe 60 seconds, if that, and she's, like, dancing on top of the box, and then she's, like, it's, like, Flash! And then he's on top of the box and we're like where's the assistant? She was in the box in the straitjacket and I'm like how does that happen? It was crazy. By,
2: By the way, close f- magic like that it's confusing. Yeah, I was it's like how do they do it? It's confounding. That's what it is. And I was like yeah. there's
0: definitely not twins cuz I was like maybe that I know that's like a thing that like Harry Houdini used to do that there's twins but I was like there's not two Chris Angels, like maybe there's two assistants but I'm like He was locked in the box. Anyways, I'm still confounded.
1: Also, I was very afraid the direction that this story was originally going was that you actually ended up at like a strip club, like a mag- magical strip oh my club. God. Yeah.
0: I mean, there was definitely like sexy overtones, and there was a lot of people with children there, and I was like, this is like definitely rated R. Like there were like all of his assistants were wearing like basically brawn panties, which I was mm-hmm. like, whatever. it's a thing. It's a mood. And so, like, that was happening. And then, like, some of his magic is, like, he's very, like, cheeky. So, he's, like, he always, like, he doesn't do it, but he always will lose. And he's, like, oh, I'm going to, like, take your clothes off, like, that kind of stuff. And he, he's very funny. But I was, like, this is not appropriate for children. But I think maybe some people were fooled, like I was, into thinking that it was, like, a kiddie magic, magic show. And that's why they went
2: there. Well, it's strange because on 3 p.m. on a Sunday to go to a Chris Angel Oh yeah. show, you would think that'd be, like, an 11 o'clock kind yes. of deal. Or, like, later yeah. in yeah. at least,
0: like. He actually, like, joked about that because he was, like, this is the only matinee that we're doing. And he was, like, I'm used to performing in front of, like, drunk people that are just coming from, like, the casino or, like, the strip club in <laughs> Vegas. And he's, like, this is different. It's white outside. But I I will say I was, like, pretty tipsy. Like, Corey and I probably had, like, three beers before we got there. And then I had, like, two cocktails at the thing. So I was, like, oh, man, feeling it. Because I was, like, I can't. Like, once I realized, like, what it was, I was, like, I can't be sober. Like, it was still very cool. So I don't want it to be, like, oh, Maddie was drunk and that's why she thinks it's so cool. Like, no. It was definitely, like, everything I like but I just like wasn't expecting it. So thank you, Jeffrey Jackson's friend who fucked up the Ooh. dates and allowed me to go to this exciting. I don't think Jackson could have handled it. Jackson's too much of a weedy. <laughs> oh, sweet baby Jackson. Um,
1: all right, moving on. Gabby, do you have a campfire topic or shall we dive into the interview portion?
2: Um, well, I came up with something, but then I have like more of like a millennial moment. If that's Bring like, it. girl. Sure. Yeah. So I think this is just a really funny story and I think it's, millennial in that I feel like a lot of millennials are very into the murder podcast trend right now oh yes yeah and like so am I and like I (laughs) listen to all of them and like I'm like really a big fan in like the least like weird way to be into murder podcasts but I by the way
1: if you have not yet listened to someone knows something you have to listen to it's my favorite it's so good yeah anyway go on
2: um well it's just I feel like I then get like very freaked out by like things that I maybe shouldn't be but so um Andrew my fiance and I were in New Orleans this past week with my family and then halfway through the week my family left and his friends came down and we were um with them and Andrew and I booked a hotel (coughs) to stay down there but his friends decided to stay in a hostel Mm. and um I just like for like unknown reasons am just naturally afraid of hostels like i'm afraid someone's gonna murder me in a hostel you've though- seen
0: the movie hostel where they steal people's yeah, organs I guess
2: that's why like the, the- <laughs> spoiler
0: alert that's what happens in that movie
2: <laughs> well yeah i don't know I, they all seem to think it was crazy that i was afraid of staying in a hostel let alone like i, I don't know it was his friends like wanted like the idea okay, go ahead, Manny.
0: no i was gonna say hostels in america are very different from like hostels in europe i feel
2: yeah, like, and his friends are not European, but, like, you know, I don't know. They, like, I think they have that ideal that, like, it's going to be – his one friend went to one in New Orleans, and he said, like, it was such a good time, like, we met these cool girls from Australia, like, we had a good time, So like, whatever. the Australians. I think it was this Australian girl gang that, like, really, like, <laughs> made him think that it was so great, but he said the whole friend group would stay there. I opted out. Andrew and I had to get a hotel room, which was, like, really expensive because – It was the Essence Festival Mm -hmm. in Oh, Michelle Obama. Yeah, so all the hotels were, like, booked. So we got this um, hotel, and, like, his friends kept inviting strangers to, like, hang out with us the whole time. And I was like, I just don't really, like, these people might murder us. And, like, whatever. So I, I was being, everyone was making fun of me for being, like, sketched out the whole time. And then, as it turns out, all of his friends... Um, like the di- the second day we were there, called their hostel got bedbugs. Oh. Um, so they were completely screwed. I mean, bedbugs stay with you for like six weeks. Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess um, my murder like preconceptions weren't all off base. Like I was just like, I knew that the hostel was a bad idea, but I just like didn't hammer home exactly why. But I mean, you know, I had some some preconceived notion that that was not was not chill but not for not for murder reasons but i just thought that was really
0: fun. sorry Corey just came in no he walked away hold Uh, on he messed up my hi Corey. (laughs) or
1: maddie has to do the editing later oh yeah sure that's not oh men you're back men
2: okay sorry um Um, continue your story gabby (laughs) Well, but anyways, yes, yeah, so then they, they got bed bugs, But then, I mean, it ended up being, like, a whole crazy thing, too, because the hotel Andrew and I booked um, was, we booked it through Hotwire to get a cheap deal. And um, and they, you know how, like, the Hotwire hidden rates works? It, it's right. like you can book a hotel, and then they'll just put you in any hotel. And um, they put us in a hotel that we Googled and found out was um, one of the top five haunted Um, oh no in New Orleans which we were saying that I feel like hotwire should give you a button or something that's like (laughs) I don't want haunted hotels like thank you very much um so I feel like that's why I was also like on guard the whole weekend of like murdery sensations I was like we might be staying like near ghosts like I just this is a yeah New Orleans
0: in general is just very like spooky well
1: I think this is this whole thing is very interesting for many reasons, but I'm currently reading the, my favorite murder, Mm. their memoir, the stay sexy. Don't get murdered. It's very good, but the whole, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. But the whole kind of through line is that like, if you feel that something is off, you don't have to, particularly as a woman, you don't have to say why you feel that it's off. It is enough. And it is a valid reason to just say, Hey, I am not comfortable with this. And we're not doing that. And that's enough. And I think that that is really empowering because I think both Georgia and Karen, basically the whole book is outlining here are all the ways we didn't feel empowered. And ultimately you just go with your gut. And if it feels bad, that's why you're going to get murdered because you knew it felt not to victim blame, but like, if you feel bad, it feels bad. So, um, also Gabby, my boyfriend david and i will now never be able to use the hot wire deals because <laughs> he has a terrible horror of staying in a haunted establishment so oh
2: we were like this should not be an option like yeah. we be allowed to just get sent to the most haunted hotel in new york like it was like called <laughs> it popped up and it, was... it was our fault because we probably should have looked at like the options that you know how it says like it could be one of these three but we were like yeah. we have no option here <laughs> because like everything's booked um It popped up and it was like, um, you are staying at the Cornstalk Inn. And it's like an old, like haunted, like mansion thing. And my mom had just gone on like a tour of New Orleans that day. And she was like, yeah, we passed that inn. (laughs) Apparently, this wealthy millionaire in New Orleans would house his mistress there and then the mistress was murdered. So she, like, haunts the hotel to this day. And then they made it a children's, like, <laughs> ward for children. Oh, and God. it burned down. So there are children there. And I was like, what? It burned those <laughs> children? Yes, yeah, so it was burned children and old, like, dead mistress. And I, it was the scariest place. It was so creepy looking. I was like, we're not. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like
0: Shay... If David's afraid of staying in haunted places, he shouldn't stay at McMenamin's because I feel like the McMenamin's we went to was definitely haunted.
1: Yeah, there is a whole thing about the McMenamin's. So, Gabby McMenamin's is this, it's not really, I guess you'd call it a chain, but basically, they, um, it's this company that buys these kind of historic properties in Oregon and Washington and then makes them into these hotels and bars and restaurants. And they're very nice, but they're like, quite a few of them are haunted because they're built on like old poor houses or like uh, children's hospital. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but there's one, it's called, I think it's called a white Eagle that we haven't been to yet. But my cousin Chris said that they like, so you can do this thing where you get like a stamp and a passport and you collect all the stamps and you get a prize or whatever. Um, but she said that they will often just like, give you a pass if you don't have that one because it's so haunted that people like don't want to go in and they don't want to go upstairs and Chris said that she like what she like walked in the lobby and she got this like terrible terrible like creepy creepy feeling and it felt like immediately very cold and she said she turned to her partner Christian and was like yeah no and they basically walked out oh my god and the lady was like don't worry about it I'm surprised Christian wasn't all about that (laughs) I mean I think he was but Chris as yeah. Chris and I often talk about, we have closed ourselves off yeah. to psychic phenomena.
0: Yes. So. I love
1: it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let us move on to our interview with yeah. young Gabby here. <clears throat> um,
0: I, I mean, I has, have... Yeah, I feel like we have two guess. kind of streams of questions. We have more of, like, the SNL route, which I kind of want to start with. And then we have I your agree. military fiancé route. So let's start with SNL because that happened pre... Andrew I think
2: well actually I met him through SNL too so that's kind of a oh interesting that'll be a great
1: segue yeah so Daddy, (laughs) I have to tell you that I use your story about how you got your job at SNL quite frequently when I am (laughs) mentoring young people so could you kind of share that with our listeners
2: yeah um so I always loved SNL like from uh, the time I was young and when I went and moved to New York I really like I working there was always my dream job and so I my aunt her best friend's best friend was one of the writers there who eventually became the head writer at SNL um her name's Sarah Schneider um but she get, I, I had emailed her back and forth a little bit and she actually had promised that she would get me tickets to the show my freshman year and I was so excited, and so I kept emailing her, and, and then she wouldn't email me back, and then I would email her again, and then at the end of the season, I was kind of like, hey, you know, I didn't, I know I didn't get tickets this season, but um, do you think I could apply for an internship, and I was so, it, it's funny to think back a bit on this, because I was so young, and I, I had no idea how it worked or anything, and I just kind of thought, I, I'll ask and see what happens, and she said, yeah, sure, um, but I'm not the person to talk to you about internships. Um, you have to talk to this other guy. And so I emailed the other guy and he said, Oh, I actually don't work there anymore. So <laughs> this other guy, and I was like, okay, so I emailed the other guy and he was like, yeah, that's not my job. They're hiring a new person for that. So you'll have to, and it just kept going on. And I eventually um, got in touch with Luke who ended up being um, the intern supervisor for the writer's research department and went back and forth with him for a while and um, eventually got an interview. And I think to this day that, there must have been some kind of mix up, and they thought I was a senior or something because they usually hire juniors and seniors, and I kind of just squirmed in there as a sophomore. And I think that maybe they just didn't realize at first. But I honestly, because I hadn't applied online and I didn't know, um, I just was going through word of mouth, passed through people, passed through people's emails. So I really had no details on the in- on the internship. And it's funny because um, when I got there the first day, they were like, "Yeah." Um, so you guys, like, you know, you'll get paid $11 an hour. And I was like, what, we get paid? Like, I had no idea. Do this for free And then they were like, yeah, and you'll get car rides home if it's after 10 p.m. Like, because it's not safe to go home or what And I was like, this this is the coolest thing ever. Like, I had no idea. Like, I was ready to do this for free and take the subway or walk home. Like, I don't know. Like, but, yeah, so I feel like it's just funny to think back on because I had, I had no idea what was going on. and And I just – I think I just – Persisted so much that they felt like they had to do something or else I would just keep emailing them. I think they just <laughs> yeah. stopped the email. So, oh my gosh.
1: So, how long? So, you were at SNL then for almost six years total, right?
2: <clears throat> yeah. So, I um, started interning with them my sophomore year and continued interning until the end of my senior year. And then I just finished my second um, full year working for them. Um, but I'm still kind of working for them remotely at the moment. So yeah, it's about, it's a little over five, five years. Wow. And
0: what yeah. jobs or what departments have you worked in during that time? Has it always been kind of the same thing or did you kind of move around no, it a little changed bit? changed
2: a lot. I was a writer's research intern at first and that's, um, basically the catch all for the intern groups. There's uh, several intern groups at SNL. There's a photo department, film department, um, design unit interns. There's like, <clears throat> Sorry. There's costume interns, and, um, but I was in the writer's research, which was basically we were the assistants of the writers. We were the biggest group. Um, I really liked it because you got to interact with all the different groups of people at SNL. I met so many people that way because you, we were doing basic intern tests, getting coffee, picking up food, um, running errands, but I got to meet people in every area of the show. And then from there, I was also on Saturday nights, I just – I happened to be in the office one day and I picked up the phone and um, the hair department was looking for an intern to work Saturday nights for them. And I said I would do it because I just happened to be there. And um, it was just a, that was a lucky moment because I ended up loving my time spent in the hair department and it wasn't something I had any idea about. Um, And it's such an interesting area of the show. Um, They create their own wigs there and there's thousands of wigs. And every time you see a cast member in the show they're most likely wearing a wig even if it's their own hair they have like their own hair wigs so like i don't know um, so that it's
0: easier like if if their own i'm i'm just assuming you can yeah. correct me if i'm wrong because if their own hair is down and they have to do a wig in the next scene they wouldn't have time to like put it into the wig cap is that right
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so they're so constantly interesting
2: in bald caps and then um they So, like, it's funny because if you've seen, like, Cecily Strong or something, you've probably not seen her, like, real hair, which is, like, just kind of strange, but you would never know because they make them so realistic. Um, So I spent three seasons working for them on Saturdays. That was what I always did on Saturdays, and it was so fun. And then I started to realize that all of their archives were on paper. They were all, they would print. I was taking pictures of every wig that was used in the show so that we could keep, like let's say Obama's wig and every time he was on the show like if he was getting older they'd make the wig a little bit more gray like as the years progressed and they needed to keep track of like what that wig looked like so that when they redid it they could use the same amount of gray or add a little bit more um so I was kind of the person who was keeping track of the what the wig currently looked like by taking pictures of them but they were printing them all out and keeping them in books like Super old school, and I just thought that was the craziest thing because I was putting the pictures online, but then not doing anything with those online pictures, just like throwing them in a folder and then printing them out and keeping them in a book. And I kept thinking, what happens if this place like catches on fire or something? Like God forbid, (laughs) like everything's gone at work. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't understand. So I, um, the head of the hair department at the time and myself, we started a an archive system. It was really uh, just, I mean, I kind of just came up with it on my own, labeling the pictures and sticking them on Dropbox so that um, someone could find the wigs as they progress. It's kind of confusing, but basically everyone has their own set of wigs, and then if they decide to retire one, it will become like a stock wig. So it would be like men's brown one used to be like Kenan Thompson's number two wig. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to keep track of all the history of them. Long story short um i kind of used that to segue into doing archives for the whole show because i had a uh well at the time he was one of the intern coordinators but he ended up being my like colleague uh when i started working in archives and he was starting to build an archive system online there was like a huge database that would hold all the information from each episode of the show so it would be each season Each episode, each individual sketch, who is in the sketch, who do they play, Um, how many times has that person been on the show? It just goes on. The information is like endless, but he needs someone to actually input that information. So that's kind of where I came along just right at the right time and and we pitched um, my job to one of the producers and he really liked the idea. And I think it was just kind of, it all happened like it was perfectly timed. I just kind of like fell into an area that I didn't think I had a lot of interest in. I didn't really, I went to school for film and television, so it wasn't like archives was something that I really enjoyed, but I ended up really loving, I think I just had such an appreciation for the show that I just really loved the history and I loved getting to go through each episode and marking everything down. And yeah, I don't know, just like keeping track of everything. It was really something that interests me
0: that's awesome that's very cool and I know you also worked there during the 40th anniversary episode which (laughs) was had a lot of history there too
2: yeah that was fun it was kind of it's sad too that's another thing where it's like that was my first year so I think I was so overwhelmed by everything then that that is just another drop in the bucket from that first year but going back to
0: that too like I can't imagine was it overwhelming like having people who were colleagues that are celebrities like people that you used to like look up to
2: I remember my first day I like was texting my sister and I was like Sophie oh my god Taryn Killam just like walked past me in the hallway like I'm freaking out like this is so exciting and he's not someone who's like super (laughs) exciting it was just we love the show so much so I loved the all of the cast members and I just like thought it was crazy and I remember my sister uh she was like um can I tweet that And I was like no you can't (laughs) Like part of my non disclosure, like you can't. I would like freak out about things because I just like didn't know how. I mean, you know, like I'm not supposed to tell certain things, but I didn't know what was like if that was okay to say or not back then. It's just funny thinking back on that time period because I was so nervous. I was just like, Yeah, I I didn't know. There's a lot
0: of hot gossip, and full disclosure, this is not information that Gabby has told me, but is general stuff that's known on the internet, but like. You know, there's a lot of, like, hot gossip, shall we say, that happens on the show, i.e. Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson, that, mm-hmm. like, mm. you know, it it stands to reason, like, people that work on the show probably knew about that before the general public. So it's, like, it's got to be hard to, like, maintain professionalism and also have to, like, be like, oh, my God, what's happening? Has- I also have no chill, so I could never work there, but <laughs> it's fine.
2: <laughs> well, I don't think I did either. I think, like, <laughs> being there for such a long time just kind of you know it it like desensitizes you, had no choice you. but to be chill I guess yeah. like it, it, you were seeing people every day people were walking past me all the time that were huge celebrities in my eyes and and also just huge celebrities in their own right and I was just shocked at first but I think that after five years it's funny how you just kind of it not the magic fades but it's funny seeing I when I would um I brought my sister to the finale party um because this was my last finale, so I was really excited to bring her. And uh, she was so excited about seeing any person who passed by. She was so excited. And it's so funny seeing how different it is from, you know, how I started and how I felt when I was first there to now. I just kind of, it becomes normal like anything else, I guess. So I think just to get right
1: into the, you know, the meat of it, what is what are some of your most interesting stories that you're allowed to share yeah. about and you can always celebrity sightings, not or use when names. make you lose your to... chill or who would make you lose your chill.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I can talk about most of this stuff because it's it was just things that happened to me. So it was <laughs> it was just funny. I um during the 40th, there were so many people like all over the place. It was just celebrities everywhere. We the dressing rooms were filled. We like didn't have space for everybody. And um I got sent on a run to they were like oh you have to go up to dress room number like seven and uh someone needs help in there and I was like sure whatever and I like opened the door and it was uh Amy Poehler and she was said oh i die my dress for me like I just I I can't reach it and I was like oh uh sure yeah like anytime like whatever like cool I love you like bye Uh It was, like, so overwhelming just to see her the first time. And then I ended up seeing her a couple other times because she hosted while I was there too. But the first time I saw her, I was just like, oh, I, she's, like, such a an idol of mine that that was so cool to, like, see her and then also help her zip up her dress. <laughs> like,
0: Fun fact, know, so funny, producer uh, Jenny on an SNL shoot one time was a, like, lighting stand-in for Amy Poehler.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really I guess the hair color is, like, similar. Yeah,
0: and the coloring. Yeah. So I always thought that was funny.
2: <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else is like a really.
0: Or was there anyone, and you don't have to name names, that like, either surprised you or was like, really like not nice, or is everyone on the show just like amazingly great?
2: Well, I saw Donald Trump whenever he hosted. So oh that was really? Like... <laughs> is he? I always asks. So I'm like, yeah, he was there. It was a weird time. Was we it were,
0: weird, like... like before, he or I guess? I, I'm, it's hard for me to place the timing, but like, did he host before he was running for president and you saw him then, or was it like he was always a presidential candidate?
2: No, he hosted, it was in, I um, actually know it was November 7th, 2015. So he was hosting whenever he was like, I guess he had just announced maybe, yeah. or yeah. Right after. Yeah, that's my, that's my problem with the did archives. Did you get weird
0: vibes it, then, or?
2: yeah he like he walked past the intern group and just gave us like a sly like peace sign it was (laughs) really oh Oh,
0: very Nixon
2: yeah it was strange we were (laughs) like okay but it was weird it was weird because I think everyone at the show thought it was a joke right and it ended up not being a joke I mean like all of America did but it was just funny to be there when we were all joking around about it and then it came true and it was like well this isn't fun anymore
0: and I feel like SNL in particular had to react very real time to the flip from like it's a joke to like it's very much not a joke and I'm thinking like the iconic Kate McKinnon singing the song during the opening so that must have been interesting to live through all of that
2: that week was like really hard everyone was Devastated. I mean, it's it's a super liberal leaning show, and and most people who work there are liberal leaning. So it was like really depressing going into work that day. Like everyone was upset. It was really strange. Like the atmosphere was strange, and then people were stuck writing jokes. It, it yeah. was just bizarre. I, I don't know. But can I'm sure you, it was like-
0: Can you yeah. like obviously you have to do prep ahead of time. So I'm assuming like the writers of the show and stuff like they had prepped jokes in the event that Hillary won and jokes. In the event that she lost, or was it like completely well, blindsided?
2: Yeah, the, I don't know if you know like the way the, the show works, but it, it's um, Mondays are pitch days. And so that's whenever Lauren and all the writers in the cast um, go into his office and just kind of like pitch around ideas um, with the host and he kind of gives his he or she gives their uh, yes or no on certain ideas. They kind of say what they like and what they don't like. And then Tuesday's writers' nights, so that's when all the writing happens. And it usually happens till like, 3 in the morning. And when I was an intern, we used to do coffee runs at, like, 1 a.m. at the only Starbucks that's open in Times Square. So that was always really funny. Um, We'd get catcalled, but, like, coffee-specific catcalls, like, it'd be like, hey, can I get one of those lattes? Like, it was very... (laughs) Also, I love how they're worried about you, like, getting
1: home late at night, but they're like, just go to Times Square in the middle of the night and get us coffee and don't step
2: on any needles. If only the contradictions stopped there, (laughs) It's a strange work environment. That's all I can say. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, what was I even saying? Oh, yeah. And then the structure Wednesday of the show. Is, Yeah, Wednesday is uh, read-throughs. So that's when they read-through all of the sketches that were written. And then Thursday and Friday are when they start rehearsals. And Saturday is the show, obviously. And we do the full dress and then the show. So, it's kind of like so the it's way a the show grueling. is. Oh, it's very grueling. Oh, it's incredibly grueling. I, I mean as an intern I think I felt it more my archive job was a 10 to 6 kind of position because it was everyone else was working in the here and now and I was working in like 1975 so like I didn't really need to be on a crazy schedule like them but yeah it's a crazy work week and also they don't really have time to write the week before because we have a show the week before so it ends Saturday everyone goes out until four in the morning and then it, it starts all over again. Oh, yeah, so Are like, the party
0: is like insane. Yeah,
2: they're like just really late nights yeah. and like intern. Like it was really yes, late to be like nocturnal. Yeah,
0: I can't I just... do that. I'm such a weenie. Yeah,
2: like how did you also go to class? <laughs> yeah, there were some weird.
1: It was funny. and do Kappa and have a position and always <laughs> seem like very well put together.
2: Oh yes,
0: Gabby was the best PR chair. Hashtag. She really was.
2: I actually just used my PR uh, credentials for my the new job I applied for, but oh, yeah, I think um, I didn't do a whole lot of sleeping, I guess. I also <laughs> did film and TV, so I, not, I'm not saying anything about NYU film and TV, but the, the schedule is a little bit more lax than,
1: you know. Well, they probably expect and hope that a lot of you guys are going to be doing things like have internships mm-hmm. on all these major television shows, and they understand what that looks like, so...
2: Yeah, and a lot of my teachers were understanding about if I had, I had a really late night on Tuesdays, like I was saying, for writer's night, so my Wednesday morning professor knew that, and I would sometimes, like, I had an 8 a.m. that morning. It was such a messed up schedule, but I didn't know, because I didn't know I was going to get the internship at the time, but my 8 a.m. professor was pretty lax about me coming in a little late if I needed to, or, you know, chugging a coffee before I came in.
0: Do you have a favorite host that you saw? Or just, like, someone that you're like, oh, I love them.
2: This is so, like, lame. Not lame, but, I mean, I don't know. People have very very mixed opinions about him. But I really love seeing Adam Sandler come back and host. Oh, and yeah, I he's it. great. Yeah. He's an icon. Yeah, I, yeah it, that's the thing. He was a, He's an SNL icon, and it was so cool because everyone from his, like, era, like Chris Farley, David Spade, Chris Rock, had all hosted, and he was the only one who hadn't. So it was, like, a real important SNL moment that I got to be there for and that was my um, era that I watched as a kid because my parents loved the 90s SNL so they always showed it to us and uh, that was a really cool moment to like get to see his characters come back and his old sketches and stuff.
1: So in the interest of time I think we should move on to the second half of your story. Yes. Um, now here is gabby living her glamorous saturday night live new york city life and then she meets a gentleman Mm -hmm. can you tell us how you met him and how that's changed your life yeah um
2: so andrew is my fiance's name uh he was childhood friends with cole who is our mutual friend cole worked at snl with me he was an intern our senior year Um, And Cole and I became friends really quickly. And then uh, he was, he was actually a volunteer for the Hillary uh, election or for the Hillary campaign at the time. So I think we kind of bonded over interest in politics and you're both working at SNL and he was new and I was the oldest intern. So everyone kind of turned to me Mm -hmm. for advice a lot of the time. And Cole asked me (laughs) if, He could bring his friend from the Naval Academy to our Halloween party that my roommate Micah and I were having. I was and at was- this Halloween party, by the way. Yeah. Oh, man! I had a front I'll row take. seat. Yeah, front row yeah. seat. Maddie, <laughs> well, you were there for day two, so yes. it was a two-day Halloween event, and the second day was at oh. Sam's at Sam's house. Oh, yeah. here's Andrew as we speak. Hi. Hi, Andrew. Well, okay. Hi, Andrew.
1: Does he want to say I don't hi? know you. But hello. Uh,
0: hey, how's it he going?
1: Hi, hello. Hey. Oh my gosh, he looks so know. spiffy.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Gabby, he has such a nice smile. Sorry, you can <laughs> we're going to totally embarrass me. her on air. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm good
0: at that. <laughs> we'll, wait, we'll
2: wait for him to yeah, leave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. But, anyways, um, yeah, so. So there was a Halloween was- part one. Halloween. Yes, Halloween part one. Ha- Halloween part one, me and all of my friend group, uh, we were all dressed as the Rocky Horror Picture Show cast. So I was oh. Meatloaf's character from Rocky Horror Picture Show the night I met Andrew. So, um, you know, if they love you, at your Rocky Horror Picture yes. Show meat. Like, I think that's the keeper. But, um... I
1: feel like I have to look that up now and see what that is. Yeah, I've it's a
2: seen. strange... <laughs> voice. But, um... Micah was Dr. Frank Inferter. Uh It was a good time. But... So then he showed up dressed as the American flag. <laughs> it was funny. Um... And we kinda just hit it off I it was I was not expecting that. And then we went to a party the second night and yeah, we just like we talked the whole time yeah. and we kept And I was and there
0: it. and everyone was like Gabby's talking to this guy who's in town from the Naval Academy and it's like going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But it was weird because it was like the only the second day we met and I kind of Andrew jokes that I was I mean, I was pretty drunk, but I apparently like kissed him on the cheek and was like, Oh, I'll see you later like as if we were like just like dating and it was just like a very strange like we kind of just were so close so quickly it it, i think we just connected inseparable ever since yeah and yeah and so we haven't stopped talking a day since then that was three months ago so yeah so um it's not been easy though because we've been long distance since the day we met because he was at the academy while i was still at snl and that's actually where my snl schedule got even worse i feel like because I would have these SNL parties until sometimes like seven in the morning. And then there were weekends where Andrew couldn't leave the academy. So we would do this thing where I would get on a bus right after the SNL party, not sleep to Philly. So it would be an hour, I guess it was like an hour and a half bus. I'd get in at like nine in the morning. Andrew would drive there. So we'd meet in Philly for just a day because then he'd have to be back at the academy at six PM. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like crazy. Um, time period, but it was worth it. We would like have brunch and uh, we we saw the Rocky statue. We spent a lot of time in Philly, which I, I don't spend a lot of time in Philly <laughs> guess, so that was new. Um, so Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no, that's pretty much it. And yeah, and that's how we met. Kinda. So now you're preparing, when is your wedding? Soon, right? May 23rd, 2020.
1: So I saw it for a while. You'll still have a year, yeah. but you've moved down to Virginia and you're preparing to take on this life of a military spouse and I we've that's a lot so I'm just curious to hear what your you know what your fears are what you're excited about what you think your life is going to look like or what you're expecting as you move into the
2: next phase um yeah so I didn't really know anyone in the military growing up, which is funny because I feel like everyone has some kind of connection to the military, but I knew nobody, so I had no information on the military at all when I first met Andrew. And I think I've been learning a lot in the past few years. I have a lot of the vocab down now that I think <laughs> I did not know before. Um, but it's it's been interesting. I mean, I think there's sort of a stigma when it comes to military the military generally i think there's a stigma especially like in the liberal world um but also towards military spouses i i even kind of shy away from the term military wife just because i think it insinuates someone who's sitting at home and like maybe volunteering for the military but not really doing a job and kind of i don't know i think that's just how i viewed it yeah. and
0: i feel like you're a very I, untraditional military like wife we need yeah. to connect her with um uh, Kristen with KP. Yes, definitely.
1: One of my best friends, her husband is um, in the special forces and he was on the pod or she was, he on was the. On pod, the they, she was on the pod and um, they've been together since they were 16. So it's a long, oh, wow. long yeah. time, but yeah, so she's been through it all and she's very, she, I mean, you definitely remind me of her a little bit. So I think you guys yeah. would That's yeah, I need I wanted... any advice. Anyway, go on with your story.
2: Well, no, I, I think it's just, I mean, it's interesting because I think I feel like a lot of the times the biggest thing that I struggle with and obviously Andrew and I talk about this a lot, but it's, I sometimes feel like there was a decision made that affects my whole life for the next several years that I didn't make. And that's kind of a really hard pill to swallow, especially because I'm someone who's not super good with things out of my control. I like to, you know, jump into situations and Take control. I'm not, not. You're also control. like independent
0: and a go getter. Like I think to your yeah. point about the military spouse, like there is a stigma because there are a lot of women who are stay at home moms or whatever, and they don't have a life independent of the military, which is fine. Like that's a that's a fine choice to make. But you, you know, as we've discussed, like had a whole life outside of Andrew and outside of the military, that you're slowly moving towards something else. So I'm sure that's mm-hmm. hard
2: it's hard it's it's different because I think like I was saying when we started uh before we started recording I if you had asked me well my sister actually said this she said if you if if you were 18 like what back when you were 18 would you have guessed you were gonna get married like now and I was like if you asked me when I was 21 if I was gonna get married now I would have said no (laughs) like I definitely didn't think that so what shifted
0: because I'll say the last time I saw you in person actually we were talking about this and it was right before you got engaged and yeah. you were like were like you guys were obviously very very serious and my boyfriend was enlisted he wasn't an officer like andrew um but you were kind of like oh like i don't know what's happening like uh like you know i'm yeah. not, not trying to say you were flipping or anything but it was just like you hadn't made that commitment yet so like what cut what made you feel comfortable saying yes and like jumping into this life
2: I think for me like I think when we talked I was talking a lot about like I don't have this is gonna sound bad I don't (laughs) it's not like I don't care about getting married but I just don't see it as any different from what we were already doing we already had our lives so intertwined I was spending so much time and effort on Andrew and I already felt like in New York I had one foot in one place and one foot in Florida where he was because my life was half with him so I kind of felt like I'd already made that commitment in a sense to him. So I just kind of felt, which I still feel, I'm not really the type of girl who had planned her whole wedding, you know, when I was 14, I, I don't have any opinion. I keep saying to my mom, I don't have an opinion opinions <laughs> to get married. I don't, I don't know what colors I like. I don't know any of these things. So I just kind of felt like getting married wasn't a priority to me, but, you know, I think I, I always felt like I wanted to be with him. And so, you know, if it was marriage or if it was, just being together for the next 10 years I would be fine with either and and we both knew that so I think I knew that I just like I think I was a little afraid of marriage and I don't know if that's just like our generation and no, like I
0: think it's also just like being young like I, I'm afraid yeah. of it to be honest like I think it's a scary thing to make a lifelong commitment but for you like what was it the military and like because I know from being in a relationship with someone like I was with Corey for a year while he was on the last year of his enlistment and like you get nothing if you're the girlfriend like they're like like I was flying across the country he was in California and I was like taking time off work and like there were often times where like I was sitting in the hotel by myself Shay can tell you it was a miserable time yes don't want to go back there Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) You know, I know, Gabby, you've dealt with similar things where it's like, but like nothing's nothing's happening. But it's like you don't have a stat like he couldn't go to his, you know, officer and be like, my girlfriend's in town from New York. I have to go spend time with her. Like that doesn't exist. But like if you're a part of the community and you're married, like you do get a lot of those benefits. And like that's why so many, you know, especially like young enlisted men get married because there's really no other option like was that and again no value judgment on that but is is that something that was kind of in the back of your mind or was it really like he's going to be moving around a lot so like this makes sense for us like what was kind of that process to be able to be like I'm going to say
2: yes yeah I don't know I mean I think that we just wanted to I I guess like that all is super helpful for sure but Andrew and I talked about, like, before, when, like, I was, I, I think I had been debating my career for a little while now, just because I had been at SNL for so long, and there wasn't really a yeah. place for me to move up. I know up when because, we had talked, you were kind of like, I think I've outgrown yeah.
0: this kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I had pitched my own job, so there wasn't really, like, a clear place for me to move up, and I probably could have, and I probably could have stayed at that job for a while. Um, in fact, I know I could have stayed at that job for a while because they didn't want me to leave, but I... <laughs> felt myself being pulled in a different direction I kind of was like more interested in all this politics stuff and but I remember when I was kind of debating it you know Andrew and I, Andrew had said if we if you need to stay at us now for the next five years like we'll do that whatever we need to do that's what we'll do like I don't want to pull you away from your career and I've always felt that he truly means that like he wants me to have my own life and yeah I think I mean I guess the benefits are going to be helpful but I I don't think it was really necessarily a a deciding factor but it will be cool to be uh, I'll get the naval pre-check on flights (laughs) and um (laughs) yeah I mean there are good things that will come with it but I think it was just kind of like the right move at the right time but I just I didn't foresee it I guess necessarily
1: um Gabby have you found how has how the reaction from friends and family been, particularly people who maybe you're not super close with? Have you, has it all been like, yes, that's awesome? Or have people been like, why are you doing that?
2: Yeah, I feel like a lot of my close friends were really excited, um, but also a little, like, I feel like not um, shocked in their word. Um, like, I think I was kind of one of the first people of a lot of my friend groups to get engaged, so I think a lot of people were kind of, like, I heard a lot of people say like, "Wow, we're like old now. Like we're we're getting old. I'm scared." But yeah, I don't know. I haven't had. My whole family is super excited. They love Andrew and they love weddings, so that's <laughs> it makes sense. They're like party times. <laughs> uh, wait, the real important question is:
1: Are you going to have the iconic Pittsburgh cookie table oh, at okay. your wedding? What is this? Oh, oh
0: God,
2: my aunt is. Oh, like it's the best family. tradition ever in the entire world. Oh my gosh, Maddie, you don't know about cookie tables. Oh, no, this is the oh, first
0: time okay. hearing about it.
2: Well, it's like it's just like the Pittsburgh thing to have like a big table of like cookies that all different people make, and then you at the end of the wedding get to like take home a bunch of cookies. Oh. It's kind of like I don't know why other people don't use this tradition because it's <laughs> great. It's amazing.
0: So you're gonna but, do it at your wedding?
2: Oh yeah, we're doing it in Pittsburgh in like a the Pittsburgh Kind History Center, which is like oh yeah, oh, cool. yeah, it's like the museum. So, so it's like we're really both into like history stuff and old-fashioned things. Andrew proposed in like an old fashion movie theater so like that's kind of our thing so we're pretty excited about the, the museum okay. but but yeah definitely cookie table definitely all the Pittsburgh Excellent. things yeah mm-hmm. that's very cool I don't know if I answered that last question well
1: no I mean I just I think I was thinking about because I think you know especially as young as a young woman you know people always want to kind of put us in boxes and here it's like you Gabby living in New York City doing the cool thing. And then you make this major shift. And I think when that happens, particularly if you're making a choice that maybe looks more traditional to an outsider, people sometimes have opinions on that. And I was just curious um, if you'd gotten any, what yeah, actually, the like, response I mean, was at, that you got
2: gotten. At work a little, I got that. I, it was unfortunate. I feel like some people at work were kind of saying like, oh, well, now that you got engaged, like you're obviously quitting. And I hated mm. that sentiment because... I had decided a long time ago that I was kind of on the verge of leaving SNL anyways, and I kind of hated that people made it into a thing like, you know, now that Andrew like trapped me in an engagement, now I have to go with him, like, it's completely of my own volition that I'm deciding to leave, and honestly, we had said, like, if we were married and and we had to be long distance, that's what we'd have to do, like, we might have to still do that either way in the Navy, because he might have to be on, like, a ship, so, like, you know, it's not really, like, yeah. there's a lot of, like, options there. I don't know. I think it's just it's just crazy for someone to assume that. But, yeah, and it is also frustrating because I think it's it's so much my decision and mm-hmm. for someone to assume it was someone else's decision is just, like, super frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean,
1: I, I think that's just so interesting. And I got similar when I decided to move to Oregon. And that wasn't even for, you know, a guy. But... You know, people would be like, well, "Why are you doing that? Like, why would you like? You don't have any idea. You know, you don't know. Yeah. People,
0: people don't just understand. Ask a lot of questions. Yeah,
2: a lot of yeah. questions. So outside of <laughs> um, the appropriate, it, especially since I'm moving to Virginia, and it's like very. I, I'm already prepared for it to be like really different from New York, obviously. But it's just, I'm I'm super excited like about moving on and like starting a new career and starting a new life and actually like spending time with andrew has really been nice like we've been together for like two months like solidly and that's like the longest we've been together in a while so that's been nice but yeah also the
0: navy bases are the best
2: oh yeah because they're always in the ocean
0: yeah like i'm familiar with the marine corps but the marine corps it's much much smaller than the navy and the two big bases are camp pendleton which is beautiful that's where cory was and it's like the mountains it's like near san diego but then the other one is camp lejeune which is like terrible so yeah. i've heard so it's really yeah, like, like it's 50 50 first, yeah. but it's like from what i've heard about the navy it's like seattle san diego virginia florida it's mm-hmm. like these are all nice places <laughs>
2: yeah we're gonna be in virginia beach which is by the beach um it's funny because andrew talking the other day about he like hates going to the beach like he's like oh. I hate the sand. Like, I just don't love the beach. But I was like, like why dude, did you're you in join the Navy? The <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with He's a pilot too. So like he could have joined the air force. Oh my like, God. Uh, it's
0: like Top Gun. Oh That's God. all I know. I love it. Top yeah. Gun. Um, all right. Well, Maddie, do you have any
1: final questions for our wonderful guest?
0: No, I guess I just wanted to ask, like, if there were any other, you know, young women or women about the same age that were thinking about, you know, getting into a relationship with a guy in the military cuz i know from my own experience and i know it's even more like the commitment that you've made and someone who this is their career not just an enlistment um you know what kind of advice would you give other you know women that are kind of in the same position as you or in the same stage of life that you know it's a it's a tough choice and You know, there's a lot of benefits, but there's a lot of cons to it. And I think a lot of women could benefit from it and to be partners to these men that maybe they would have written off otherwise as being too traditional or whatever. Just, you know, any last like pieces of advice that you have?
2: Yeah, I guess I'd say, number one, I think it is a stigma that Navy and military guys are really traditional. But I think a lot of the time that's an untrue and unfair like stereotype. Um, from what I've seen especially from Andrew's friends who went to the Naval Academy because it's just like a normal university you know and um, I mean not normal but sort of Um, I would also say I think for people who are trying to get into a relationship with someone in the military or debating it I I, I, it's hard because I don't feel like I really had a choice it's not like I was ever debating it I just met Andrew and haven't stopped talking to him since so it wasn't like I ever made that choice but I think to do what we did you have to be a really secure person and someone who's not gonna get jealous or feel upset whenever they can't talk to you all the time or when you can't see each other all the time it's not an easy type of relationship but I think if you're a busy person who has a busy life I think it's manageable because you have your own things going on and they have their own things going on um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's been a really interesting experience. I met a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and with a lot of different opinions than I would have ever met being in New York. And I really like that. And yeah, I think that's all I got about that. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. amazing. That's yeah, Thank you so much, Gabby. Yeah. Now
1: we shall move into our archery range. Yes. We will ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Yes. Um answer with whatever comes first to your mind if we ask you for a favorite it can be a favorite it doesn't have to be the definitive okay. favorite so
0: alright Maddie favorite book
2: um Catcher in the Rye or Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis his autobiography
0: ooh, uh, I like it yeah, you and I see, see it. eye to eye <laughs> sorry
2: I always derail this
1: I know Maddie really seriously favorite movie
2: The Big Lebowski, but I really, I usually go top five, but that's been my new favorite because that was what Andrew and I were watching whenever he proposed, so it has a special place. Oh, so sweet.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Favorite TV show? The Sopranos,
2: I would say. A classic. Favorite current SNL cast member? Hmm, well Keenan Thompson's kind of my boy so I have to I always have to go with him I love him so much we're buddies I love it favorite place you've traveled but never lived um Florence I went and did like the one month long NYU thing so I don't know if that counts that I like sort of lived there for a second but where I is love Lawrence it so in Con- Florence
0: oh Florence I it- thought you said Lawrence I was like I don't know where that is he-
2: Florence is great. Yeah, Lawrence, you know, classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: favorite childhood snack. Cheese Its. My I
2: mom
0: mean, always had mm. mm, I love Cheez Its too. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the sentimental favorite. Favorite branch of the military.
2: Well, I have to go navy, you know.
0: Yeah, I really don't have a choice there. <laughs> See that, Andrew? She's the real deal. <laughs> it's okay because the marine go. corps and the navy are like basically the same Corey will be very offended that i said this but they're the marine corps no, is are. a branch of the navy i do know that so i'm on team navy for sure
2: mm-hmm. andrew's yeah. brother's actually in the marines He he's actually just got stationed in um what's the one you said Le, Le, lejeune. lejeune yeah that's what that's the one where he is i, mm. I know it's really bad because of that yeah. yeah.
0: It's just like in the middle of nowhere North Carolina and it's like the other one is like in the mountains in California and it's like beautiful. So it's like when you know the alternative, you know. Yeah, it's kind of upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> uh Well, this has been All so right. great. Yes, thank you, Gabby. Abby,
1: thank you so so much. Yeah. Um oh. is there I mean, is there any place our listeners can reach out to you if they have any questions
2: about anything you've talked about oh, today? Yeah. On uh, my Instagram, I actually got rid of Facebook, which is funny, Shay, that you're talking about how annoying oh, yeah. I like couldn't so get it anymore. Um, But yeah, my Instagram's just Gabby underscore means, I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, or I guess like, you know, talk to Maddie and or Shay. Yeah, they can a- funnel like, people on.
0: to you. Yeah.
2: Awesome. So, thank yeah.
0: you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you, Gabby, awesome. and thank you, campers. We will see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.